welcome back. This is Olaya. I am the editor and founder of Lioness, which is an online community and a journal devoted to helping you love yourself and feel empowered to live big, to go out there and be the badass that you are, basically living your biggest, baddest life. That is our mission. So I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Lioness podcast with Lexi Kite. She was just she was just an amazing guest. She dropped so much knowledge on how to improve your relationship with your body. Um, if you haven't listened to that yet, definitely go give that a listen. And if you did listen to the first episode and you were into it, or if you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate, review, and or share on social media. That helps us so, so much as we're trying to get this podcast off the ground, and it helps us share our message with more people. I so appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you to everybody who already shared on social and rated it. So appreciate you. Um, so today I have an amazing guest for you, but before we get into our interview, I want to remind you that our Live Fierce Workshop registration is about to open. I'm so excited about this, you guys. <laughs> I can't wait. So what is a Live Fierce Workshop, you ask? It is a six-week experience that is designed to help you do a lot of things. So a lot of things like let go of shoulds and the perfectionism that is leaving you feeling constantly overwhelmed. Um, to help you make self-care and pleasure a part of your everyday life and just not and not just an aspirational item on your to-do list that never gets checked off. I have been there, I have done that, I have lived that way. It is not a fun way to live, I know. To help you lean into loving yourself more fully, to help you give yourself the permission that you crave to live the life that you want. To go out there and go after that dream job, write the book, find the relationship, leave the relationship if that's what needs to happen, travel the world once it's safe to travel again, basically to live like the life that you want. So this is going to be a great workshop. I ran one last year. It was so fun. I'm so excited to do it again. I will leave a note for the early registration link in the show notes. Our workshops do usually sell out pretty quickly. So if this sounds like something that you could use in your life, definitely get on that early registration list. Okay, so let's get on into today's interview. Hello, everybody. It's Alaya, and I'm back with another interview today. I'm so excited about today's guest. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Anne Nguyen. She is a sexual empowerment coach. She is the founder of the School of Super Pleasure, which is a group uh, program for sexual empowerment. She also does one-on-one -on -one coaching. She drops all kinds of like amazing knowledge and valuable resources and pleasure practices via her Instagram, which I'm going to be dropping into the show notes. Um, basically, she teaches women how to reclaim their sexuality and pleasure, how to bring more orgasms, joy, abundance, self-love into their lives all the juicy things, all the things that we need. I'm so excited to talk with her today. So let's get into it. Hi, Anne, welcome. I'm so glad to be speaking with you today. I'm so honored. It's always such a joy to be with you. Um, before we get started, I have so many questions for you. I literally like have like tons of questions. I'm sure we're not gonna get to all of them, but um, before we get started, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about what you do. So you're a sexual empowerment coach and just tell the people like, what does that even mean? Yeah, so I am a women's sexual empowerment coach. And for me, 
What that means is that I am extremely passionate about teaching women that they can heal and find their deepest power, some of their greatest liberation, also some of their greatest joy, creativity, vitality, aliveness, and wholeness through coming home to the body, coming home to the reclamation of their pleasure and using juicy, sensual, orgasmic life force energy (laughs) to infuse through all of their lives. And I think that really the North Star, sort of the culminating place that I see my work being is to just really call women into their greatest power so that they can go and serve and give their magic out to the world. Because I think every single person on this planet has something to offer. Um, to the greater good and to get to that we must see the greatest good in ourselves first to share that yes so powerful (laughs) I love it um I've been following you for a little while I don't know how I found you I know I found you on Instagram and I saw I was like following your stories and I was like yes like I love her energy I love her message like I need more of that in my life it's so powerful Um, And especially at this moment in history, like, holy fuck, like we need that energy right now of women feeling powerful and strong and embodied and free. Um, But actually, before we get into talking about your work and what you do exactly, and I would love to hear your thoughts on self-love and body love. But before we get into that, I always like to ask women, like, what was your path? For me, it's so interesting. Like, I think like we don't usually just wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to be a sexual empowerment coach. Like, how did you get here? I always like to hear this story. Yeah. So whenever people ask me about this story, I'm like, where do I begin? And honestly, I usually (laughs) begin in the very beginning because I think that there is so much that is wrapped up in our sexuality that we don't always realize. So just a warning of like sensitive content, I will probably be, I will be talking about, um, abuse in different forms. So just for the people listening, uh, not in any detail, of course. Um, But yeah, I grew up in a house where I witnessed domestic violence um, happening, you know, from the moment that I was born. And so I think that really impacted my level of safety and um, a lot of sort of my relationship to how I saw men and relationships and love work in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Luckily, uh, when I was about two or three, um, my mom and I left that situation. And I grew up as a first generation Vietnamese American woman. And our culture um, didn't really talk about sex or bodies or anything like that at all. And I think that that's a very common thing for most people. And so As I got older and I started to get curious and the hormones started, um, you know, I really relied on what I learned from media, what I learned from other people um, about, you know, sexual shame, um, about how women are expected to really just give away their bodies and to give away their pleasure and to use it as a way to lure in love or lure in um, a sense of self-esteem. Like it was always something that was outside of me that I was trying to grasp or it was this thing that I knew I had that got distorted to use as a source of power. And so 
in high school, I um, was in a really emotionally abusive relationship that was during the formative years of my sexuality. So um, I was in a really bad state for most of the sex that I had. Um, and I was either like disconnected, disassociated, or um, just like kind of using it as a way to repair. And it had never anything to do with my pleasure, with what I wanted or anything like that. Um, and then go into college. <laughs> um, I went to a university that was very like party culture, hookup culture, and, you know, I think a very common culture of young folks nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also was not fulfilling for me whatsoever, <laughs> and still not about my pleasure. And there's a little bit more of like, oh, I should do this. I kind of talk about faux sexual liberation often, where mm-hmm. it was like, oh, no, I am powerful. So I should be having lots of sex, but it was still really a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took a lot of years till I realized, oh, pleasure could actually maybe be for me. How can I actually think of myself in this sex equation? And that's when I started realizing all the things that I didn't know. <laughs> And researching a lot online, you know, Google searches of how to have a G-spot orgasm, how to like be good in bed and all this stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I found was still the same kind of um, not helpful information. And it wasn't until I found my teacher, Layla Martin, um, that I started to hear about sex in this sacred way as a way to actually come home to yourself as a way to love yourself this concept of even making love to yourself or using self-pleasure as a tool um, for your own goodness and it blew my mind it was sort of that moment of like a big exhale you know when you find something that you didn't even really know you were looking for but then you find it and you're like this you're like oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that was my experience. And I kind of tiptoed around that for a while, of course, because I had my resistances. Um, But then I dove full on into a year long sex, love and relationships coaching training um, with her. And through doing all of this work on myself, it was like everything I ever dreamed of being or that I knew was deep down inside of me emerged and didn't even emerge but was radiating and thriving and like exploding out of me and so I said to myself if I can do this if I can have this experience I need every single person who's willing to listen and who is open to find this work and so I pivoted my career to go full-time into this and I haven't looked back since and it's been the most incredible journey ever Um, both professionally but also you know in my own life finding my creativity finding my voice finally attracting healthy love this all started because of my connection to that pleasure and that power inside of me so powerful and I, I love that you share your story like you share it on your on your website and because I think it's so relatable it's so common like so many women I know are I mean like we're just raised in this mode of like pleasing and like not like thinking of ourselves and I just I find it incredibly relatable and like having like lo- like lots of shitty sex and 
um, just the damage that your debt that that does to your soul. I think a lot of us don't think about that. So I'm just really grateful to have you and people like you. I think I'm hearing more and more this message that there's something you can read. Like used to be, you'd go online and it was just like Cosmo, like you know, like how to give amazing blowjobs, how to be great in bed. Like <laughs> it wasn't anything meaningful or like that connected with your soul or your person or your wholeness. So it's super powerful. Um, so at one of our values at Lioness that we're, that we love to talk about is self-love. Um, so I would like to hear a little bit from you, like what does self-love mean to you and what are some ways that you embody self-love in your life? Yeah. So self-love is, can be like a big abstract and sort of, uh, desirable thing that people are talking about all the time. And the way that I really like to look at self-love is on a more practical term, I think, because mm -hmm. I feel like that orients us into the possibility of how do I actually do this? And so I actually see self-love as a practice that we return to every single day over and over and over again. And what when I teach, I teach on the level of the mind, I teach on the level of the body, I also teach on the level of the soul. And so I think that we can access and enter into self-love through these different avenues. So through the mind, you can intentionally choose to start orienting yourself to what is really great about you, self-celebration. Um, in my programs, as you know, we start every single call with acknowledging what is actually great about us. And that seems kind of like small or simple, but it's revolutionary. Um, and it can really start to shift uh, the way that you start to see yourself, the way that you identify with yourself. And identity is really at the root of everything. Who you see yourself as is directly related to what you allow yourself to be, what you allow yourself to pursue, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So mm -hmm. um, on the mental level, telling yourself new stories about yourself is really beautiful. Um, the other part of this practice that I see is self-love is in the embodied way like how to take it into your body is to actually channel that force of love that way that you are able to innately love other people in your life other things and directing that energy towards yourself and so I often call it being your own best lover dating yourself, being mm -hmm. in lovership with yourself. <laughs> um, and so in practical terms, that can look like, you know, self-pleasure, discovering your body, but also giving yourself love and pleasure in many different ways of giving yourself permission to rest, um, enjoying a piece of music. All of these things really help to build that self-love when we intentionally channel it as something that we let ourselves receive from ourselves. And then the other piece that I always teach, and this is very rooted in uh, tantric wisdom, is that real self-love is loving every single part of yourself, including the parts of yourself that are difficult. Self-love is about coming into reality with the wholeness, with the entire spectrum of you and not leaving any part of it out, including the parts of you that struggle with sex or that might hate your body or that, um, you know, slip into depression or lethargy and things like this. When you learn how to love those really difficult parts of you, it's like it liberates them in this different way than 
going to war with yourself because going to war with yourself is separation of the parts of you. And so the way that I teach loving the parts of you that are hard are always finding and mining the wisdom of where they came from, what they're trying to protect you from, why they're Mm -hmm. here. Because we don't create those things just out of nowhere. We're not just like uniquely fucked as some people, as my friend likes to say, (laughs) Um, these come from a place and a time. And so, you know, if you just give the example of like, I don't know, a judgment that I have around myself is like, I'm lazy, right? I can like hate the lazy part of me and be like, oh, I wish it would just go away. But if I actually mine the gold for my laziness, it's like, it's actually the part of me that wants to protect me from overworking myself, from burning out, from, you know, exhaustion. And so shifting that to actually loving that part of me, it kind of liberates that energy of judgment and instead helps me get into that flow of self-love. So kind of like a long answer, but. No, it's great. I love it. I, I love several things. I love the idea of self-love as a practice, like a daily practice, because it's, it's an idea that I feel is actually starting to be co-opted by consumerism, um, self-love, body positivity, body love, whatever, um, because it's very popular. And so a lot of the messages around it, I feel like can get really watered down or really aspirational that don't, don't really have anything behind them. Just like, well, love yourself, you know, like, and like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? Like, if I knew how to do that, I would have been doing that like from day one. And like, there's these messages of like, love yourself, but then also we're surrounded, like we swim in this world that's like, lose weight, like dress like this, be a perfect mom, be a perfect lover, like be a fucking girl boss. Like, don't get me started on girl, girl boss culture, but like, um, so the how I think is so important. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about you is this idea that like, well, how is like, it's turn it into a practice, like something that you can work on every day in concrete ways. That's really appealing to me as somebody who's kind of a concrete thinker, but um, yeah, I love that. And then, and then you also talked about this idea, I'm going to skip over something I was going to talk about, but you talked about how this idea of kind of like changing your inner dialogue or your thoughts the way in order to give yourself permission to like change your story and see yourself differently and one thing I've noticed in pretty much every woman that I know and with my clients is that people women don't feel like they deserve things they don't they have this idea that they don't deserve orgasms or pleasure or abundance or ease or joy and like where do you think that that sense of not deserving comes from like why why do we even need to tell women like on your website I think you have on there, like you talk about like deserving it and being worth it. Like, why do we even need to tell women that, do you think? Kind of an abstract question. I want to give a more like on the surface answer, but the first thing that's coming to me, honestly, is capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, go there. (laughs) And capitalism in the sense of we live in this world where we are taught that we have to work hard, extract from ourselves, give of ourselves in order to ever be worthy of getting not just money, but recognition, worth, love, all of that. And it is completely the opposite of the truth of our nature, which is that we are all worthy because we are, because we're human, because to live and to laugh and to feel pleasure and to feel orgasm and to connect with others is our 
nature. It is how we were literally built. Um, it, it's built in the very um, anatomy of who we are, right? I teach this, like we have ears to hear music. We have eyes to see beauty. We have all these beautiful neurons to feel touch. We have um, for pussy bodied people, the only organ that exists solely for pleasure. <laughs> Um, 8,000 nerve endings just in that little place just for you to feel good. And so we forget about this birthright of our deservingness through living in this model that teaches us that we have to work for everything, mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. <laughs> in this world, which is just absolutely um, not true. Yes. Um, I love that. I remember the first time, I don't remember the first time I heard somebody say like, you don't have to work to deserve anything that you deserve, like love and acceptance and abundance and ease and rest just for existing. Like this core part of me was like, what? <laughs> that can't be right. Like, what are you, I was very resistant to that idea because I think you, I've just had drilled into me this I like work hard, you know, this whole work hard, play hard culture, but like, there's so much, especially in America, this like, you have to work for it, earn it, deserve it. So it's, I think it's really radical and powerful to be like, no, you deserve all of those things simply for existing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of leads me to something else I was going to ask you about. You talked about how we're like, we have, we're disconnected from the fact that we were made to do these things, to feel and to perceive and to see beauty. One thing you talk a lot about is kind of um, re- integrating or like re reclamation, like a sexual reclamation, reclam reclaiming your power, reclaiming your pleasure. And that word to me, I was thinking about it, like it's so powerful because it inherently implies that you have all of this within you from the start, that you don't need anything external to connect with this. So I like, could you talk a little bit about this side? Cause you, you, your work is a lot about reclaiming, which mm -hmm. I think is super powerful. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So something that I like to talk about often, and it's a concept I learned from one of my teachers, Rachel Maddox, who learned it from her teacher, Bridget Viskins, is that we all have this inherent blueprint of health and life. So everything in life is always growing towards healing, is always growing towards thriving. It's that mysterious nature and pulse of life that keeps us going. I like to think of it as that uh, wisdom of a seed that might be under the ground for years and years that inherently then starts to grow. I like to think of it as the joy that you feel that every human can't help but inherently feel when you see an epic sunset or mm. a puppy or a baby, that blueprint of life that flows through all of us. And so how I like to teach it is that we all have this at our core. We were born with it. Think about children, think about babies, right? They're not worried about what their bodies look like or anything like that. That is our truest essence. And as we move through life, experiences start to layer on top of that. And these experiences can make us feel grief, shame, anger, make us forget about this blueprint almost all the way out until the outer layer of it is numbness, mm -hmm. where we have completely forgotten because it's too painful to think of all of the things that have happened that have made us forget that we're just like, 
oh, whatever, like, this isn't even a possibility. We're not even going to go there. It's sort of where I see a lot of women just in the sexual example being like, oh, sex, like, does it really matter anyways? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not important. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, as we reclaim, you know, it's like moving through those layers as you unfreeze your numbness and start to realize like, wait, I kind of do want pleasure. I do want this or I do want that. It's like, then we have to move through some of those layers. And I think that can be really uncomfortable for people to move through those layers, but those layers bring us back to that blueprint. And it doesn't have to be all just going through those painful layers. It's also adding like new ones that remind us and reconnect us um, to that blueprint inside. And so um, that blueprint is how I say like, we are inherently worthy of this. Another view of it is, again, um, in this is like tantric wisdom, it's almost like the body is a microcosm for the universe. And we've Mm -hmm. all heard this, right? You're made of the same stuff as stars, but literally you are. (laughs) Um, And so like our bodies inside have this natural intelligence, this beautiful equilibrium, um, and all of these... um, these functions that were made for us to feel good. And so that's why I think doing self-pleasure, discovering orgasm, discovering the fact that you can give that to yourself and that your body was naturally made for that. It's like that microcosm of you, of that experience makes you realize like, oh, everything that I've ever thought that I needed to get externally is actually right here right now in in this flesh in this physical form with these two hands that I have with this heart that I have I can create all of this when you realize that it's like boom unstoppable you stop um worrying about other people to give you that because you're like oh it's all right here right now that is the inherent worthiness that's the inherent deservingness if that makes sense yes totally first of all like I am getting goosebumps as you're talking about this second of all I feel like you better be careful like you're gonna topple capitalism like spreading this message that like we have it all within us like we don't you don't need to buy anything you don't need anything like it is all right here um but seriously that's what we're here for it's like yes like we can like our mission at Lioness my mission is just to help women feel powerful to give themselves permission to feel like they deserve it, like to feel like they're alive. So this is like exactly the message that we want everybody to hear. <laughs> um, but actually it leads me to my next topic, which is pleasure. Um, I know we've kind of been touching on it a little bit, but I'd like to talk about it a little bit more directly. So, which is just one of my very favorite things to talk about because I feel like it's absolutely transformative. Um, it's something that you talk about a lot. I feel like in our society, pleasure almost has like this like naughty connotation, like even the word pleasure to use it. Like, first of all, it immediately has a sexual connotation, which I feel like it's so much wider than that. And second of all, it's almost like a little, at least in America, like a little sinful to talk about pleasure, which is such a shame because it has, I found in my experience and what I've learned from you is that it has such a power, powerful impact that it can transform your whole energy. So you have a principle called the 5% pleasure rule that you talk about on social media and um, in your work. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So one, I just want to name, yes, total wisdom that pleasure doesn't have to be sexual. 
Um, and I think decoupling pleasure from those connotations is really important, um, as well as, you know, still letting the erotic type of pleasure and the sensual pleasure exist, of course. And the 5% pleasure rule is really about in every single moment of your life, asking yourself, how can I make this just 5% more pleasurable? And an example that I often give is even if you're taking a 10 minute shower, can you still light a candle or make sure that you play a song that you really love while you're taking a shower? If you're doing the dishes, can you do the same thing? Um, if you're working, can you put a flower that you might pick from outside just to feel the petals or to look at the beauty? And the reason why I love this rule is because um, it makes pleasure feel doable yes. uh, and it makes pleasure feel really accessible. And the reason why orienting yourself towards pleasure and having it be easy and doable is important is I think it helps with that concept again of like the inherent deservingness, but also sort of the easy abundance of how making yourself feel good, those little shifts can add up and add to, I guess, for lack of better words, the positive energy reserves in your life. <laughs> and the more that you can have those sources of energy, of course, the more energized you are to, again, go do whatever it is that you need to do in the world with more ease, with more joy, um, with more freedom. And I think that in itself is a liberatory practice. Like a lot of what I have learned about pleasure is influenced by Adrian Marie Brown, Audre Lorde, a lot of Black feminists who wrote about using pleasure. Pleasure in itself is liberatory and is revolutionary because when you live in a world that's essentially trying to teach you that you aren't worthy, you aren't deserving, to feel good and to thrive in it is like, a fuck you to all of that <laughs> but like no I'm gonna yes. opt out and I'm gonna choose another way and I think it reinforces what we were talking about I don't need to work to deserve pleasure it's here it's right now it's easy and as you do that you build what I like to call your pleasure capacity because pleasure can feel dangerous it can feel threatening it if the world has told you that it's a bad thing for you to have. And so it's also a way to start to increase your pleasure tolerance. What happens when you increase your pleasure tolerance? It's that work that people always talk about, like your boundaries and like letting stuff that doesn't serve you. It's also another practical way. I find that when you increase your capacity for pleasure, it's like anything that starts to fall beneath that line is so much easier for you to be like, mm, swerve, mm -hmm. no thank you. <laughs> Yes. Um, I, I love that, that I, I think of self-care as like an act of rebellion. Like it's so much more than like bubble baths and like, don't get like, I love a bubble bath. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but like, it's so much more than just like, oh, let me just rest for a few minutes, but like rest, self-care, pleasure. I feel, we feel it now. Like it is an act of an absolute act of like rebellion, it is a statement, it is political, it is to me like, I deserve to take up space, I deserve to be cared for, like, I live in a system that doesn't really want me to believe that, that wants women to believe that they should just like give and nurture until they're bleeding out of their eyeballs, right? Like, um, so absolutely, I think that it's, it's more than what it's often, what it appears as on like social media, or kind of in like the public, um, 
like how we, the message that we see a lot around like self-care. So yes, I love that. Um, but I would like to get into kind of the flip side of pleasure and talk just for a minute about shame. So about, you mentioned growing up in a household where sex wasn't talked about, it wasn't like an appropriate topic of conversation. I feel like that is super common. So many women, so many people I'm sure can identify with that. And pretty, I mean, like pretty much every woman that I know has some degree of shame around sex, her sexuality, around her body. So what do you think of as kind of the roots, I know we've touched on a little bit, but so the roots of that sexual shame, like that shaming and blaming of women's bodies and what it's like, I, I mean, I know it's basic can be like the work of a lifetime, but like, what is a first step for moving away from that shame or let shedding that shame or like bringing down the volume on that shame a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the root of it is disconnection, intentional disconnection from this power source, because our sexual energy, I like to say, is the most powerful creative energy in the universe. It's what gives birth to all of life. And to have a woman empowered in her body, sexually liberated, sexually alive, you can't control a woman like that. And so, through many different avenues. I think that's why we have been very purposefully disconnected from our shame as a a very deliberate form of oppression. And I would say that most of us have inherited shame from sources generally that wanted to protect us. So Mm -hmm. as a result of that, Perhaps Mm -hmm. a lot of our mothers or a lot of, you know, other people in our lives have told us, shut that down. Don't turn that on. Don't do that. You know, this part of you is bad and all of that. And, you know, it's different for every person and every source. But I think that a lot of it can come from inherited shame, generations and generations and generations of it. And then this trying to protect us. And Actually, a question that one of my friends asked yesterday was when I shut down myself, when I make myself smaller because of shame, who benefits from that smallness? Mm. That's a really powerful question to ask yourself when it comes to shame. Who Mm -hmm. is benefiting from my smallness right now? And I think that can help to name the sources of shame and to distance yourself from them. Because what happens is we internalize shame to be, there's something wrong with me. I'm not beautiful enough. My body doesn't work. I could never have those orgasms. And so even asking that question, I feel like puts enough distance between making your shame personal and and realizing that it is a result of all of these toxic things. So I think that's one. Um, the other part of resolving shame is, um, the way that my teacher Rachel likes to describe it is having a new response to an old, um, an old situation. So 
um, being able to be in spaces where we're talking about women's sexuality and the new response is this is a source of your power. We're all doing it. It's normal. We're going to celebrate each other for it. That is also how shame resilience happens, right? And that's why like the power of pleasure, the power of connection, the power of love, all of those things, we don't have to heal just by like digging through and rooting and being like, oh, all of these systems, but also of just safe distance from that danger and then new relationship with other sources that are more nourishing and life-giving. And that source can be yourself first, right? It can be, I'm going to choose to unshame this and tell myself a new story about my sexuality. Slowly, slowly, that starts to expand. Yes. I, I love that you talked about shame, like a lot of the shame that we inherit generationally being like the underlying per- intention being protection. Like that to me, I hadn't really thought about that before. And that feels like a way to kind of conceive of shame that, that where you feel like you can kind of like walk beside it. Like if I know my mom said these things because she didn't want me to be, you know, she didn't want me to be slut shamed at school or she didn't want me to like be attacked at a party or risk like sexual assault or whatever. And she was just trying to protect me. I feel like that, that kind of opens up room to feel less resistance to that shame, to kind of look at it for what it is, to have it feel less insidious. So that I never thought of it that way. That's really interesting. Um, And then the other thing, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, Oh, talking about creating these spaces to like, just not, not just excavating, like getting into the dark stuff and the roots and kind of, which can feel like very hard work, but creating spaces where we can just normalize. And I think that's one of the, the powerful elements of social media. Um, like I kind of have a love-hate relationship with social media, like everyone, I think. But it has been a space where I found people like you and, and some of the people whose ideas that I've been exposed to and that have really truly changed my life, I found on social media. And I've tried to curate my feed such that I can go in and I'm getting these message places where it's normal to talk about like female empowerment, to normal to talk about female sexuality and like the power that arises from that and like how liberating that can be. And just just the piece of like having my social media feed filled with that, I have felt has like, has had a big impact and I hadn't really thought about that either until you said that, so thank you. <laughs> okay, before we go, the last thing I would like to talk about is that part of your work is to help, is helping women of color heal and reclaim their sexuality. And so first of all, like I am so immensely grateful that you are one of the the people who has created this space because I think it's immensely important so first of all I mean thank you I think it's it's powerful and that that example needs to be out there and then I wanted to ask like how and when did you realize that you wanted to include that in your work and why, why is that important to you yeah I mean to be honest it was my own reckoning with whiteness and especially my own reckoning with whiteness when it comes to spirituality, wellness, and that whole world. Um, I had an experience where I was thinking about starting my business and I asked my teacher at the time, like, what should I name my business? Cause my last name is Nguyen, which is the most common, it's like the Smith of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was afraid to name my business, my name. And she looked at me and she said, oh, of course, just name it your name. You're the, you know, you're going to be the face of it. You're probably going to evolve. And it just struck me that I was like, well, my name isn't your white name. That's quote unquote easy for everybody. 
-hmm. And I just realized in that moment how much I had put away my own identities in order to placate to and center whiteness and even how my vision of my business when I thought about who my clients would be all I thought about were white women and I was like what like why (laughs) how and it became my own you know I feel like phase one for me was the first time I heard the word patriarchy and it was like, oh my God, you know, this invisible force that has been weighing down on me has a name now. I'm not crazy. And I feel like that happened with white supremacy and whiteness where that was sort of my second phase of like, oh my God, we can name this now, this thing that has again been weighing down on me. It, I can name it and see it. And so I went on a really deep personal exploration um, and entered other spaces where there were just women of color. And it was so liberating. It was so fun. And it just gave us this layer of just another thing that we don't have to pretend, that we don't have to tiptoe around, that we don't have to be careful about. And that's liberating just even being together right like I I said it in my in the course it's like we're not necessarily speaking directly to um you know like healing like white supremacy in our relationship to it in this course but just being together and being able to thrive together and being able to celebrate each other and all of that again revolutionary practices and so it just it was calling in my heart I knew that's you know who I was really passionate about serving in this specific way Um, and so I created it and it's been the best thing I've ever done in my entire life it's been my favorite thing that I've ever run and yeah I just can't wait to keep on doing it more because I think we do need those spaces right now and right here in this space and time where we can just have something that's for us when so many things nothing in this country has been created just for us before (laughs) yes um I mean the whiteness of the wellness space is really like deep rooted and then the messages that come along with that of like what wellness looks like even just in terms of like on a very superficial level of like body shit you know like the wellness industry has been so co-opted by whiteness so yes like a hundred percent yeah this right now (laughs) well also Um, too and then I'll just add the last part of it which is like the ultimate madness is like what they're co-opting and selling is all indigenous people of color medicine so that was a whole nother level that I realized when I woke up out of my spell of of colonization and of whiteness too so even more so I was like this is all crazy yes (laughs) Yes. we need to I mean like talking of reclamation like this is an area I feel that needs like a deep reclamation in like the well in the wellness space Mm -hmm. do people one one question I want to ask because I know a lot of people who will be watching this and listening to this will be white so Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering like what how are there different ways that um people get it wrong what you're doing like what message what would you say to people like that person on Instagram who's like because I I see these people who are like you know like I thought we were against racism like this is this creating a space where white people aren't allowed if that's not racism I don't know what is like I know those people are out there so just to kind of like give 
people who are having that thought something to noodle on like what what do you say to people who are like getting it wrong about this need for like a space for women of color or do you just when they pop in your feed do you, first of all do you get those messages and then like if you do like what do you do I have surprisingly only gotten one of those messages of this quote unquote reverse racism, which is a whole thing that we can talk about um, because it doesn't exist. And if you want to learn more about that, um, Louisa Duran is a great resource. Uh, she's been my teacher. But um, I think one something that I've been super intentional about is um, not centering whiteness when I talk about it. Um, what is it called? Like the white gaze? I really need to, it's like um, a, a very famous <laughs> um, Black uh, female writer talked about this concept of the white gaze, and I'm totally blanking out on her name right now, but it's like how all stories, oftentimes stories written by people of color are still centering white people. So for example, like explaining this thing about our culture, or like you mm -hmm. introduce a word that's not familiar, you kind of like talk around it. And so I've been really trying to, it's hard, um, just decentering <laughs> white people from when I talk about this and instead centering the most marginalized folks, centering the people that I'm talking about. And so part of it, I have talked to actually my business coach about this. I'm like, I don't even care to explain it. When I say I'm creating a space just for women of color, women of color get it without me having to say anything other yes. than just like, ah, exhale, cool, I want to go there. And so honestly, I've kind of been like, that's it for me. I don't really care. Um, but I know that there are, I love white women. I work with white women. I have white women clients. I'm opening a cohort um, where I'm going to be working with white women. And I just choose to, for myself as part of my liberatory practice, to only be in relationship with those white women who understand and who support me and know exactly where I stand and still want to work with me. Um, because I think that is real allyship. And yeah, so maybe even in this conversation, I'm like, yeah, maybe I just like don't really care to educate or explain. And if you don't get it, that's okay. You can, you know, and do whatever you need to do and if you ever do understand and know that I'm an amazing person to work with you can come right back along but otherwise this is how it is you, do you want it or not <laughs> yes that's super powerful that idea of like decentering whiteness I think that like I am guilty of that of like always trying to be conscious I came from a food a culinary and photography space and like 90% of my following is white women and so this is something that I think about all the time like and I have previously been like holding myself back from saying certain things because I'm like oh, I don't even want to deal with the fallout from this thing that I want to say so yeah that's that's super powerful this idea of like well I'm just gonna do my thing and like let the people who are not that gives it a certain amount of power to be like, well, I'm gonna explain and I'm gonna, you know, so I love that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's other people whose job that is and they love doing that part. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> That's, yes, like this is, this is not my space and I'm not gonna give away my energy to like explaining what I'm doing because I know what I'm doing is like right for me, for my people, absolutely. Yeah. I think that we are 
almost out of time. Yeah. So before we go, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. It's such an honor. I love your work. I've learned so much for you from you. It has been life changing. And I should have mentioned at the beginning of this that for anybody like that, I, I am in your school of super pleasure class, but this podcast, this video is in no way like sponsored or, or anything like that. I just love your work and I want more women to be exposed to it and to learn from you and to follow you and to be in your classes. So thank you for talking with me. Thank you for creating the resources and the classes that you do. Um, can you tell people where to find you? First of all, like what do you offer in terms of like one-on-one -on -one coaching classes and then where can people find you? Yeah, so I am opening doors to School Super Pleasure again very soon here. Um, so I have group coaching programs. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching um, and then I'll probably have shorter courses coming out this year, which I'm really excited about. Um, and so you can find me on Instagram at instagram.com slash T-H-E-A-N-N-N-G-U-Y-E-N, The Ann Wynn. My website is also theannwynn.com. Uh, and y'all will want to get on my newsletter, actually, because Instagram is not the safest place for sex educators. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I give tons of amazing content, um, free practices, free workshops and things like that for you to get a feel for the work. Um, and yeah, my practice is open to everybody. So I guess I would say specific things for women of color and allies. <laughs> yes. And, and for those watching and listening, like everything Anne does is like completely fire, like so much like generous free resources on your Instagram and then just really super high quality coaching. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for coming on and I hope you have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Yay. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the second episode of the lioness podcast i hope you were into it honestly i feel so lucky to be able to do these interviews with women who are out there making a difference in the world who are inspiring us educating us just making the world a better place with their work it's such an honor and again, if you enjoyed this episode, if you found it useful or inspiring, or if you learned something new, please remember to rate, review, and or share on social. It's so, so, so helpful. I really appreciate it. Okay, you guys have a great week and I will be back with another episode soon.